Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. On Friday, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano dropped a bombshell accusation on the Catholic world in which he stated that Francis had promoted a monster to run the inevitable conclave that chooses Francis's successor in a naked attempt to put the St. Gallen Mafia in charge of that choice. The monster in question is Cardinal Leonardo Sandrini, whose colorful history makes him the perfect choice for such a post to give the organization founded at least in part by Ted McCarrick the best shot at remaining firmly in charge of the church in an earthly sense. So, who is he? Why are the accusations against him monstrous? I'm going to go over who Cardinal Sandrini is in this, the first episode of the Profiles of the Lavender Mafia that I've done in many months. Afterwards, I recommend either reading or listening to the letter accusing Francis of trying to rig the next conclave again, so you better understand what those accusations are. Sandrini is an Argentinian bishop. He served as the prefect of the Oriental Churches since 2007 and was elevated to the level of cardinal in that year by Benedict XVI. He has a, work, a history of working in the Vatican Foreign Service, and it was here that Sandrini almost certainly began working with the now disgraced Cardinal San Sodano. It was Sodano who, under John Paul II, that had been instrumental in the cover-ups of the crimes of Marcel Marcial, and as the accusations that information had been filtered and otherwise controlled, so that popes that the St. Gallen Mafia didn't like were unable to act out of ignorance, an accusation hinted at by Benedict XVI and made clear by numerous commentators who had deep Vatican connections over the past few decades. At the core of the issue are the crimes out of Marcel Maciel, because, as we'll see, Sandrini is not the first man who helped cover up those crimes and then who received a promotion by Francis in the past year. And both of those promotions have direct implications for the coming papal conclave, whenever that is, especially considering that rumors have been swirling that Francis has been thinking of resigning, though I personally am extremely skeptical of that coming to pass. It doesn't really seem to be like him. We shall see. If you don't know who Marcel Maciel was, let's briefly look into this. The cover-up is key to understanding Sandrini. So here is a quote from an article from an unlikely source, but it gives a good overview of the facts of Maciel. Keep in mind, no one likes Maciel in hindsight. From the fish wrapper, known as the National Catholic Reporter, which neither reports nor is Catholic, Rome in 1946, following World War II, was in economic shambles when an obscure young priest with deep pockets arrived seeking meetings with Vatican officials. The scion of a provincial Mexican aristocracy, Marcial Maciel Delgado had been a priest only two years, yet when a cameraman filmed his ordination, he was already leading his own religious order, the Legion of Christ. Maciel had gone to Rome by way of Madrid, Spain, where he sought scholarships the Franco government had offered for Latin American seminaries to study in Spain. The Spanish foreign minister, 
Alberto Martin Artajajo, told him he needed Vatican approval for the apostolic schoolboys back home to qualify. With funds from several of Mexico's wealthiest families and its president, Miguel Aleman Valdez, he wrangled a meeting with Clemente Macara, a newly named cardinal and veteran papal diplomat. Macara, 67, was obsessed with rebuilding Rome. Maciel, tall and lean with fair brown hair and searchlight eyes, spoke no Italian, but Macara spoke Spanish. Maciel gave Macara $10,000, a huge sum in a city reeling from the war, said a knowledgeable priest. The Legion of Christ, a history dictated by Maciel and published by a Legion imprint in 2004, doesn't mention the payment to Macara, but the book says that Maciel traveled with a confidential document and a sum of money from Mexico's papal nuncio for delivery to Cardinal Nicola Canali, the governor of the Vatican city-state. The two cardinals helped Maciel gain an audience with Pope Pius XII, who proved sympathetic. Maciel went back to Madrid with letters of approval. In August 1946, Maciel and 34 apostolic schoolboys from Mexico sailed to Spain. Why would the Holy See, with establishment channels to transmit documents and trust sensitive materials to a priest without diplomatic passport? The other part of the story, a sum of money, was the shape of things to come. End quote. And I think I can answer that question, why the Holy See under Pius XII would send a priest with money in an unsecured way to Mexico in 1946. In the aftermath of the war, Pius XII was deeply involved in trying to keep the forces of Marxism from gaining control of Catholic governments with a much stronger version of Catholic action than had been in existence prior to the war. The example we know the most about is that of Italy, where the Holy See funded Catholic and generically Christian political movements who stood in opposition to the Marxists who had been ascendant and kept them out of power until the 1970s. But that's a story for another time. Suffice it to say for now, that is probably what was going on here. Given Mexico's long and storied history of anti-Catholic movements gaining a foothold in the government and the role of Marxism gaining ground in South America, even in the 1940s, that seems to be the case. So what is Maciel accused of? So this is horrific, and I'm going to heavily sanitize the language from the AP article that I'll be quoting. In short, Maciel's crimes were those we're familiar with rocking the headlines in the U.S., but on a grand scale. Quoting the AP, mostly quoting. The Legion of Christ re Religious Order, which was discredited by its monster founder and the cult-like practices he imposed, says an internal investigation has identified 33 priests and 71 seminarians who assaulted the vulnerable over the past eight decades. A third of the priestly abusers were themselves victims of the Legion's late founder, the Reverend Maciel Maciel, while others were victims of his victims a multi-generational chain of abuse that confirms Maciel's toxic influence spread throughout the order. The Legion counted 175 victims, but didn't provide a number for the victims of the seminarians, most of whom were never ordained and left the congregation. End quote. Now think about that for a moment. How did this happen? Maciel was treated as a sort of rock star meets prophet. You can think of the Legion of Christ as a sort of cult within the church, built around the Messianic leader who operated largely from the prying eyes of the Vatican, and he wielded great influence such that, with the influence of the Lavender Mafia in the aftermath of the Council and its new age of world-embracing tolerance, it made possible Maciel's crimes and the cover-up that ensued. Maciel would create a cult of personality by forcing his members to never speak ill of him, those who did were reported dutifully to their superiors and dealt with. 
This enabled the creation of a cult of personality that was instrumental in covering for his crimes internally, and, as with the case of Ted McCarrick, his access to financial resources would be the key to helping to keep his crimes covered from the secular, and yes, church, authorities. The accusations against him go back to the 1940s, and aren't the same sort that has rocked the American and Western priesthood in general since largely the 1960s. In this, you could say that Maciel was a trailblazer for degeneracy, and the sort of evil deeds that St. Peter Damien condemned in his important, but largely otherwise forgotten book, The Book of Gomorrah, which condemned these sort of wicked men back in the 11th century, when the church dealt with them in a, shall we say, much different manner than we do today. Sandrini worked closely in the office with Sodano, and essentially represents a continuation of the control of information that made Sodano such a key element for the Lavender Mafia. He was promoted barely a month after Sodano resi resigned from office. Do you see how this works? The so-called reform of the church that had been promised seven years ago hasn't been a reform at all, but a deepening of the influence of these men and the placing of successors who will keep the monsters in positions of power for decades short of some sort of interventionary miracle. Sandrini was in the Vatican Foreign Service for decades and had worked closely with Sodano for a very, very long time. This is the crux of the accusation here. What Sandrini's promotion represents is more evidence that the next generation of St. Gallen Mafia members are being promoted to replace their elders in the hierarchy of the church. Do you remember Cardinal Kevin Farrell? He was the personal driver for the monster Marcel Maciel who committed the sorts of unspeakable crimes for decades that we've become all too used to hearing about in the news. Again, Farrell was his driver for his limousine. Think about that. Think about the things he overheard. As the accusations go, his crimes were covered up by John Paul II, at least that's how the accusations go, and others until he was finally dealt with by Benedict XVI shortly before Maciel's death. Last year, in a move that surprised many but was not fully understood in its implications by the lady, Cardinal Kevin Farrell was promoted to the position of Camerlengo, which is essentially the officer who governs Vatican City after the death, or, I guess, resignation of the Pope, in preparation for and during the conclave. I do have a video on that, if you want. His role is one of, the, of those essential positions for determining who the next Pope will be. And now, alongside Sandrini, there are two men with close ties to Maciel Maciel, who are now going to be in key positions to choose the next Pope both of whom were in positions to know definitely about what Maciel was doing, and both have credible claims made against him of being instrumental in keeping those crimes quiet. This is the state of the church today. We live in a day where the worst kinds of men get promoted to the most important offices in the church for the choosing of the next pope, and the selection of these men will be brushed off as having been chosen by the living saint of the technocratic secular establishment, and will thus get little coverage. If this has been the track record of Benedict XVI, I assure you, we would have heard endless screeching from the media about the wicked man on the throne whose own personal history, back to his childhood, was of authoritarianism, and that as such, it was expected to see monsters promoted. I guarantee it. If that had been, if that had been what Benedict XVI had done, if he had done this stuff, this is what we would hear endlessly. Just go look at that Netflix movie about him. Or don't. Don't look at that Netflix movie about him. But we get nothing but crickets now that Francis does it, and that's how this keeps happening. Meanwhile, the church is abuzz with the rumors of the Amazon Synod working document being released shortly and its wicked, wicked contents. So the, this promotion would have gone unnoticed if it hadn't been for the diligence of Archbishop Vigano. We have him to thank for even knowing about this mess, so please keep Vigano in your prayers. He, he needs them. So what do you think about this? 
I know that's almost a wasted question at this point. The ghost of Marcel Maciel keeps haunting the church, and the Legion of Christ is still in operation, with some of their priests living in a very public lives and openly identifying with Maciel's organization. But this also has the fingerprints of McCarrick all over this, who recently made headlines for having been moved from the Kansas monastery he had been exiled to, to places unknown in Florida. Oddly, there have been an attempt to dirt there had been an attempt to dupe church militants into reporting that McCarrick had died, but they didn't fall for it. So do you think he was involved in this? Remember, McCarrick was central to the St. Gallen Mafia, and has been confirmed to be a long-term member going back to the late 1950s. Is this move more of his machinations at work, or is this purely the work of Francis? I don't think McCarrick's ongoing influence should be ignored in all of this mess. Anyway, I look forward to seeing your thoughts and insights in the comments, and please share this podcast with others who you think need to hear it. And give the video a like and subscribe if you haven't. Thanks for listening and for your support. It is appreciated. Keep praying for the liberation of the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.